following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. You think we ought to be starting an investment segment with a song about Las Vegas? Sure. <laughs> and I, I really didn't put two and two together that it contradicts each other. Not necessarily. I was just having fun back not, here. Not in some circles. I was just having fun back here. Yeah, I know. We welcome Philip Sexton to the show. Philip, welcome. Good morning. It's uh, sun shining. Yeah. <laughs> interesting for now yeah <laughs> and uh hopefully they're getting to play some golf this morning over at uh king trace yeah well we've had an interesting week um <clears throat> they're all kind of interesting and uh a lot of our so at the pre-financial group we manage money for uh uh typically retirement investors, people in their retirement or about to be. And we own, as a result, income-producing securities primarily. That's the big bulk of what we own. And a lot of our uh, securities did fairly well this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh... You know, we 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 actually saw uh, some this week that you know earnings season started, so you started to see some earnings come out on some companies, and you started to see uh, that be more of a driver other than just what headline news is out there. Right. Um, you know, Trump tariffs, uh, Trump meeting with Putin, uh, you know, things like that that really shouldn't have that much of a bearing on <laughs> but in the, in the absence of other news exactly it it drives it exactly and so you've seen uh you know since the start of the month uh well really since about last week you've started to see earnings come out uh you know i think uh i think the banks 
uh, a lot of the banks announced this past week. Um, you know, and you've seen strong fundamentals. Uh, you've seen actually a lot of uh, companies beat analyst estimates uh, so far. Right. Uh, and you've seen uh, earnings growth for the quarter. Uh, I think was uh, I think I read a statistic somewhere around twenty percent. Really? Um, yeah. So it's it's been uh, year over year. Or? Year over year. So yeah, from the yeah. second quarter of last year to this year. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, that's a little bit behind where analysts actually forecast, but it's projected to go up to about twenty two percent next quarter. Really? Which is uh, to accelerate a little bit. So you've seen strong fundamentals for sure. Mm -hmm. What we learned this week, uh, the stocks are still in a bull market. This is an article by Andrew Cinco in Bloomberg. It may, it may not be obvious amid the screaming headlines about currency manipulation, Fed jawboning, Russia summit, yuan weakening, but U.S. stocks continue their low volatility bull market grind higher. The 2,800 level on the S&P has been beat three sessions in a row on a closing basis and is on pace for a fourth. That level is acting as a floor during pullbacks today and on Thursday. The longer 2,800 holds, the louder the bulls will get about a path being cleared to make a run-up to challenge the old highs reached in January. We also learned this week that Netflix pledge be damned. Buy the dip is alive and well as a trading strategy. That resulted in the NASDAQ composite and SP tech indexes setting record highs. So it looks like we're not really market timers or uh, momentum followers, but this is an interesting uh, piece of information that, you know, the bull market still seems to be intact. Yeah, and um, I think a really interesting piece too uh, – Later in that article, it says that two out of the four FANG stocks, uh, you know, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, two out of the four were actually either flat or negative for the week. Um, and the market had a, had a slight up gain. Yeah. Uh, and when your, your FANGs make up an outsized percentage of the market, that means the, the others have to... Like J.P. Morgan, yeah. Chase. They have to pull Bank the weight. Of America and Citigroup pulled the weight exactly and so and you know they have to pull even harder because they're smaller components right uh and it's it's nice to see uh some fundamentals kick back in on some of these companies that you know were beaten down right uh well below where fundamental analysis uh would say they should have been put old guys in florida still likely to ponder if cash is still trash Money market returns seen climbing to 2.5% by uh, year end. Money market, market returns and other cash equivalents haven't looked this attractive since before the global financial crisis. That has some investors rediscovering the once popular destination for parking money during times of uncertainty, especially now with equities flirting with record highs. All right, so one of the things that we – noted over the past few years is that money market funds were paying effectively zero. And now because of the uh, Fed tightening on the short end and raising interest rates, uh, you're seeing rates of 2% plus 
on some of these money market funds, getting close to 2%. Yeah, and then, you know, as what we're trying to do is we're always trying to create the best um, income for our clients. Right. Uh, but also a risk-adjusted income. Yep. You know, so ultimately if your client needs 4% in income, then, you know, the closer money market can get to that, the better risk adjusted you can become. Um, yeah. Of course, you know, and, and we could end up dumping our Nelly and getting better yields in money market funds. Yeah. I mean, you know, cheaper, uh, that's a short term bond fund. I was talking about the Nelly. That's its symbol. Yeah. And you know, you, you, when, when you start looking at things like that, you know, and it's, it's, overall cost benefits and what kind of yield you can get uh you know and that's why it says old guys in florida because they understand that they need income in retirement yeah you know? and that's why you've seen not a lot of um cash holdings uh across across the retirement uh landscape right you know you've seen you've seen these movements in into other alternatives uh you know whether it be high yield bonds or right. higher higher yielding securities uh but now you're starting to see an actual shift towards more money market and and things of that nature uh you know which is a natural shift but it's also i, I think an interesting flip side too is that money came from uh you know certain securities that may have actually presented some opportunities in some areas right uh you know where they become oversold uh you know and, and are trading at uh multiples well below historic averages yeah you know when you start to look at things like that uh you know that's where you know the the flip side of the coin comes on a risk adjusted income a risk adjusted return yeah because you're looking and you're saying hey this thing's well below it's it's historic value. It's doing this. It's growing earnings. You know, it, 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 it's weird because when markets are volatile, it's never easy to, to jump in, but some of the easiest decisions and easiest pictures hit you in the face. You know, they just make sense. And you're like, okay, you know, and sometimes it's hard to write them out when things are really really choppy but that's when that's when you can you can make the best decisions yeah sometimes yeah it is it, it gives you the opportunities um choppiness and and uh, mm -hmm. volatility can give you great opportunities yeah exactly and you know ultimately like like the article said you know all we're trying to do is produce an income yeah you know and and the flip side of being able to produce an income is, is you're not liquidating. Right. You know, and like I always like to, like I always like to say, I'm, I'm going to hammer this home. If, if I do one thing before I die, this idea is going to get hammered home to everybody listening. When you can produce an income in retirement, you put time on your side. Yeah. Because you're not liquidating yep. anything. Uh, I've got an I've got a new analogy that I like to use. Okay. That it's uh it's like um it's like an apple tree. 
You know, if you can eat mm-hmm. the apples that the apple tree produced oh, yeah. instead of cutting the branches off to start a fire to cook the pig. Then <laughs> to put an apple in the pig's mouth. <laughs> exactly. Then you have a long-term sustainable vehicle. Yeah. Just like the rental house. Exactly. Same analogy. All right, stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Philip Sexton. News Radio 630 WIP. From work to kids to running errands, you're always on the go. To work, the gym, or running errands. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Hey, Alexa, play News Radio 630 WLAP on iHeartRadio. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree Jr. Our firm, Dupree Financial Group, has been engaged in the management of retirement investment accounts of our clients for nearly 14 years. My personal time in the investment business spans 40 years. We bring experience to the table in managing your retirement dollars. If you would like a seasoned and experienced manager to handle your investment portfolio, then give us a call. To schedule a complimentary review of your retirement investments, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 or send an email to info at dupreefinancial.com. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays at 7 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. All right. One of the securities that we hold is AT&T. Uh, we hold AT&T shares because they produce a nice dividend. They have very good cash flow as a company. And um, you can understand what their strategy is. You've got an article here that says, are high-yield bonds better than AT&T shares? So take me through this, Philip. All right. So the article, it, it kind of touches on, um, you know, the, the, the difference between high-yield bonds and AT&T shares. Uh, it says, uh, you know, because people need yield, of course. It says two options for uh, higher yields are iShares uh, High Yield Corporate Bond ETF, that's HYG, or an old-fashioned dividend stock like AT&T. Uh, the ETF has a 12-month yield of 5.14%, while AT&T's dividend yield was recently at 6.3%. Uh, you know, and it says it shouldn't come, you know, which is better, of course, the composition of any portfolio shouldn't come down to a choice of one security over another uh, as diversification is crucial. But just for this example, um, you know, 
you don't expect AT&T to cut their dividend uh from a from a payout perspective they're not they're not in any danger of cutting their dividend right. uh but it says uh you know there is always an operational risk uh so there there has to be some sort of risk premium for AT&T on in terms of their yield uh you know the high yield ETF raises some issues of its own uh you know the bonds could pose too much of a risk late in the economic right. cycle uh however defaults remain low and the credit environment is pretty benign um, you just one of the obvious things you know AT&T if people decided they like what they were doing the stock where is it around 32 right now yeah it could go to 40 or even 50 your high yield bonds are not going to rise by that amount mm -hmm. the, your your bond at the end of the day is worth a thousand dollars that's right and it doesn't matter if you pay a thousand one hundred or nine hundred for it you know ultimately the day that it gets paid off it's worth a thousand it's worth a thousand uh like you said uh you know at&t and and we saw it two years ago the stock went to 40 mm -hmm. you know it, it can it can easily move and it can move quickly any stock can do that uh i think the other thing too when you look at a stock is it's a company it's it's ownership in a right. company that's right and ultimately what a company is trying to do is grow their earnings stream that's right you know when you're a debtor of a company and a company grows their earnings stream doesn't help you the only thing it does is give you more certainty that your bond's going to get paid that's off. it when a company grows their earnings stream and they're paying a dividend it gives the ability to raise the dividend you got it or raise the price of the stock buy well, back shares yes. and eventually over time even if the stock doesn't move at that moment in time yep if a company incrementally continues to grow and increase the dividend and increase the dividend the price has to follow typically typically yeah and if it doesn't follow then we're fine with that too because we'll just buy more hold at&t yielding eight and a half percent or That's something right. crazy like that and call it a day <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah it's so that's a, your difference between bonds and stocks that's why we tend to be more attracted to stocks exactly because not only do they produce an income but they give you the ability to have a higher income over time right you know when you own bonds and, and the only way your income can increase is in in a retirement situation when you're living off the income uh, right. the only way your income can increase is by interest rates moving up but the problem with that is when interest rates move up the value of the bonds that you already hold go down yeah so what do you do you know it, it's you, you kind of almost have to get lucky in a sense of you have to almost kind of buy the buy the bond at the very very peak right you know and then that's and and you, that means you're making interest rate calls exactly which can be treacherous um we also own some stock and some insurers 
And this article says that catastrophes, unlike anything in the past decade, wallop U.S. insurers. Now, you would think that catastrophes would hurt insurance company stocks, but it can actually help them. And, Philip, tell me why. <laughs> so I've got this weird thing. Um, well, it's not weird, but it, it's it's backwards thinking. And in the insurance industry, once every 10 to 15 years, you need to lose money to make money. That's right. <laughs> because what happens and, and what we saw happen probably, well, it probably started in about 2013, 14 range. And it, and it kept growing and growing and growing, uh, the idea all the way up until um, basically last year, 2016, or you know, late 2016 and 2017, and that, those those two years is, uh, you know, there was no catastrophes. Yeah. Uh, so you could, you could write policies real cheap because they were almost like a no-loss scenario. Right. Um, so... You know, you had these small upstart hedge funds and things of that nature that were like, all right, that's easy money. They yeah. threw money in there. Well, now you've seen, you know, and that pushed rates down. Yep. And then you also had the other part of it was people were like, why do we need insurance on yeah. certain things? And they stopped <laughs> getting insurance. Well, guess what? You figured out why you need insurance. Yes. And what's happened is, is it's pushed a lot of, uh, you know, those those guys that, oh, it's a no-loss scenario. It's pushed a lot of those guys out because, you know, the the risk-adjusted returns aren't yeah. as good as what they right. want. And, um, you know, the ones that have been in it for a long time, you know, it, it talks about two right off the bat, Allstate and Travelers, you know, they've managed through these times. They, they right. know, and now they have the ability to raise premiums. Yeah. Um, and – Probably their volumes go up now because there's less competition. That's right. So that's helpful, yep. even though it's not helpful to the people that go through it. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Philip Sexton, News Radio 630 WLAP. Choosing the right car can be a challenging decision, but people who shop, compare, and buy a Subaru find their car buying decision easy. Because symmetrical all-wheel drive Subarus are quite possibly the perfect car in every respect. ALG named Subaru the 2018 top mainstream brand for residual value. Subarus are a great buy. They hold their value and have high resale value. And to top it off, most new Subarus at Quantrell are in the low to mid $20,000 range. So, they're also affordable. Operation Lifesaver presents a 30-second lesson in common sense. Deodorant is not a shower. It's wrong to feed a baby salsa. Don't wear a kilt on a windy day. Never ask a bride why she's wearing white. Don't keep mouthwash next to the antifreeze. Don't buy sushi on sale. Close your mouth when you hang glide. Don't clap after a eulogy. Always walk with pie. Do I look fat? The answer is no. And most importantly, never, ever, ever forget your common sense around railroad tracks. A message from Operation Lifesaver. Visit commonsenseuseit.com. Hey, everybody. In an effort to raise awareness of traffic safety laws and to encourage safe driving habits i'm here to remind you of the kentucky office of highway safety's blue lights across the bluegrass summer enforcement campaign i'm matt jones and with the current travel season we're reminding all drivers of their responsibilities behind the wheel don't speed don't drive impaired or distracted wear your seatbelt. it's not only the law but it's your best defense against injury and death we don't want to write tickets but we want to save lives so always obey the law no exceptions no excuses 
The president at his Bedminster, New Jersey golf club today and tweeting about his former attorney and fixer Michael Cohen. The president criticizing the government and FBI for their search and seizure of items belonging to Cohen at the fixer's office and hotel room earlier this year. One recording reportedly includes then-candidate Donald Trump two months before the election discussing payment to Playboy playmate Karen McDougal, who claimed to have had an affair with Trump a decade earlier. The president also criticizing Cohen, saying, quote, even more inconceivable that a lawyer would tape a client, totally unheard of and perhaps illegal. The president says he's done nothing wrong. Tragedy on a duck tour boat in Missouri, survivor Tia Coleman speaking out from her hospital bed after losing her husband, three children, and five other family members. When the vessel sank, she described the harrowing moments when huge waves overwhelmed them. A really huge wave swept over, and when that wave swept over, the last thing I heard my sister-in-law yell was, grab the baby. 17 people in all died. Michelle Franz and ABC News. We'll continue tracking showers, maybe even a scattered thunder shower through the day today. Highs will probably hover in the mid and upper 70s. When you catch a break, it's going to be so humid, it's going to be hard to enjoy anything out there today. Just really not a good-looking Saturday at all. I'm WKYT meteorologist Jim Caldwell on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. I'm Steve Drury, Senior Pastor of the Trinity Hill United Methodist Church, located at the corner of Tate's Creek and Armstrong Mill Roads. I once had someone ask me, Do you believe God will give me a second chance? The question surprised me. Yes, I answered, but God's grace doesn't have anything to do with numbers. If we sincerely want forgiveness and seek His love, His mercy and grace are always there for us. God gives second chances, third, fourth, and so on. Those of us who have found forgiveness over and over again know He is more about mercy than judgment. He doesn't give up on us even when we have given up on Him. Many of you listening today find yourself starting over in lots of different ways. Be sure and allow God to give you a new beginning as well. He wants to walk with you through your new beginnings. We would love to have you start all over again with us at Trinity Hill. I hope you will come and worship with us this Sunday. Reds fans, 4 for 48 weekends are back this season. Cheer on your Reds when they take on the Phillies July 26th through the 29th and save thanks to Mike's Car Wash. Buy four view level tickets and receive four Reds hats for only $48. Don't miss a weekend of Reds baseball, fireworks, giveaways, and a post-game concert featuring Walk the Moon. For tickets to see your Reds take on the Phillies July 26th through the 29th, visit Reds.com slash 4 for 48. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree show. The oil market is getting more dangerous. A 4.2% plunge in U.S. oil prices Monday was the latest sign that the dynamics shaping the biggest commodity market have changed since the crude rally began. This is from the Wall Street Journal on July 16th. Last year, two main 
forces propelled crude oil higher, an agreement by the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, or also known as OPEC, and its partners to trim production and robust global growth that helped sop up excess supply from U.S. shale. This year, investors are wrestling with an array of factors that can move the market. Trump administration sanctions that threaten to cut off Iranian global supply, simmering U.S.-China trade tensions, OPEC's decision to raise crude oil output, and dwindling production from Venezuela. Additionally, President Trump has been vocal about oil, tweeting on some days that prices are too high and that he is pressuring Saudi Arabia to increase production. Last week, the Wall Street Journal reported that U.S. officials are considered dipping into the country's emergency oil reserves to prevent another sharp increase in prices. I'm not sure what's going on, why they think $70 is so high when two and a half, three, four years ago, it was at $100. What 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 are they worried about? <laughs> I guess it's just the the magnitude in which it's in which it's moved. You know, it, it's yeah because it's snapped from a hundred down to twenty seven, which pushed prices at the pump. You know, down below two dollars. Well, you know, significantly, and you know now you now you see it up to three. That's a fifty percent rise in you know a year's time. Yeah. Uh, it, it it's hyperinflation in that sense on something like that yeah um you know which really when you when you think you know gasoline or transportation costs and food costs are probably your two biggest costs yeah uh you know that that is one concern um you know and the other thing is is all all as an investment um has has uh not not necessarily a a stock an oil company stock but you know like actual futures in oil uh, has become highly highly speculative you know when you when you see uh even the smallest blips of news moves the actual price of oil significantly you know that i i think that's um i think that's that's kind of kind of crazy um you know, and, and when you've seen the market is actually kind of in uh, somewhat of an equ- equilibrium, right? Uh, and, it always is. Yeah, and well, and, and now you're starting to see, you know, with, with uh, OPEC increasing their production, uh, the U.S. has increased their production. I say it always is. It it oil probably the freest, most un touched market by manipulation that there is that and probably currencies mm-hmm. uh, because it can't be manipulated by the federal reserve messing around with interest rates that kind of thing it's pure supply and demand oil is yeah and and it's you know it, it's one of those i think you said it before i, I think it's really interesting that you know there's almost a hundred million barrels of oil used a day. Yeah. And that last barrel sold for the day sets the price. What sets the price. You know, if if, if you uh if there's too much on the market and you have to dump that last barrel somewhere, it kills the price. Yeah. If there's not enough on the market and you've got to dig that barrel up from somewhere, 
oh, it pumps the price way up. That's right. You know, and I think, that, and and ultimately, that's all it's trying to do is find that equilibrium, like you said. And and it's, uh, you know, I I think personally, um, you know, at, at a price that we're at today, I think that 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 represents a pretty decent equilibrium in the market. Right. Uh, you know, I I think that hundred plus dollars a barrel for oil was uh, it's pretty was you know, pretty far out there and twenty seven is definitely way too low. Uh you can't even make a profit at twenty seven dollars. Um, no. You know, so I think that at this rate That's below replacement cost. Exactly. Uh you know, so I think that at this level there is some sense of uh equilibrium. Right. Uh, you know, and so now as an investor you have to look at, you know, what companies are able to you know, go in and and use the use the price that they have today to grow their grow their earnings stream over time, and you know eventually grow their dividends. Why your pension is doomed? A new study shows that pension benefits are rising faster than GDP in most states. So, did you pull look at this one? No, I I saw I saw where you printed it, but yeah, I I understand the pension system quite well. According to the study, accrued liabilities, how much states are on the hook for between 2003 and 2016 grew more than 50% faster than the economies in 28 states, more than twice as fast as GDP in 12 states. Leading the list are the usual suspects of New Jersey, grew 4.3 times faster than GDP, Illinois 3.23, Connecticut 3.18, as well as New Hampshire 3.45, and Kentucky 3.08. Well, it's very well known in Kentucky that we have a pension crisis uh, with what's going on in our state. And um, this article and so many other articles are beginning to realize that the problem has been not that the legislatures didn't fund it property properly, but that the politicians granted overly generous benefits. In other words, they made the benefits go up faster than what the investment fund could produce. Yeah. And then you couple that with lower interest rates. So you've had significantly lower interest rates over the last several years which has made the ability of these pension funds to invest for the long term much less. They've, they've decreased what they can earn on longer-term assets. So you've had that double whammy of increasing the uh, payouts too much and decreasing what they could earn by a lot. Uh, this is created, in my opinion, uh, an impossible situation for these pension funds. Yeah, it's... And I, I want to know what your only thought is. On I don't, I've got more than one thought. I 100% I, I agree with the, um, you know, the, the over-promising of benefits or right. the, the increasing of benefits. I mean, you know, some of these people work for X amount of time, and then they come out and they're making almost more money on their pension then then they do don't they some of them do yeah how did where's that money coming from 
and you multiply that by time after time, it's crazy. There's the money's not there to do it. And and ultimately, you know, taking a page out of an insurance company's playbook, you know, an annuity, that is uh, in a form of a simplified pension. Yes. And, you know, so you put the money in there and you get a simplified payment for your lifetime, for your month. Right. When you start adding in colas and this and that. Yeah, and cost then, of living increases. Yeah, and you start going and, and making retroactive adjustments um, on things like that, you know, you you're you're increasing your payout without increasing the income production in the account. Right. Cuz ultimately, I think that the pension system if you if you go back and you don't do anything crazy like that, the pension system would have worked just fine. That's right. Because your demographics are always growing, which means that the amount of teachers paying into the pension system should be growing. And when you look at social security, yes, you have a an influx of baby boomers coming in you know, to social security, but you've got a millennial generation behind them paying in. That's right. You know, what's wrong with the same problem with social security is you, you've increased benefits, done this, done that, put all these, these colas in and you know, you, you didn't, you didn't have the prior generations that are nearing retirement pay in the amount that you're about to pay them out. That's right. And that, that is, that is, 100 percent the problem you know and, and i can't blame anybody from any generation it's not yeah. their fault it's it's the way that it's the way that things happen and now you're at a point in the road that okay you've got to make a decision yeah it's all coming home to roost exactly you you, you took from the future to to pave in the the potholes in the present and the past and now there's a that's big one of the big hole. things we look at at Dupree Financial Group is is are we creating a type of pension for our clients? Are we creating something that can be relied upon to keep paying them over a long period of time? A sustainable pension. Sustainable. Yes. And one that doesn't liquidate the principal, mm -hmm. so that they'll have something to pass on to their heirs or to uh, a spouse or whoever. Yeah, and and that's the, you know, and anybody that has a pension because we we've got several of them, you know, that that are nearing retirement, that are in, you know, grandfathered in pension plans and stuff like that. When you look at those pension plans, the monthly payouts look pretty nice. That's right. You know, six plus seven percent. You know, sometimes, uh, but the problem with that is is. That's a monthly income stream yep. and nothing else. You know, when when what we're trying to do is a little bit different. You know, we're 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 not gonna pay out seven percent a year. We're not gonna pay out six percent of a year, you know, because right. we don't feel like that's sustainable over a long period of time. You know, what what happens if you live to hundred and ten years old? Well, that pension whoever's backing that pension is out a lot of money. That's right. You know, what what we're trying to do is we're trying to make your money last. And if we're able to take a lower withdrawal rate that you can sustain, hopefully, if the companies that we're investing in grow their earnings stream, that's your COLA, yeah. your cost of living adjustment. That's right. And on the flip side, and I always like to say this, life happens. Yep. You know, what, what happens if you get a leaky roof? You don't get to call the pension company up and say, hey, I'm going to need four grand this month. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to look at you and laugh. 
Yep. You know, you, you're going to have to find another way to pay for that roof. That's right. You know, if you're able to protect your principal, now granted, you know, that is the thing that's producing your income stream. Right. But it's there. It is there if you need it. It's there. You know, and that's what you worked your whole life to save. Yep. Why annuitize it? Exactly. <laughs> I don't see why. Stay with us. You are listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Philip Sexton. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. The news you want to know. Need a water rescue. Tourist boats, capsized. Fatalities. The news. Inviting President Putin to the White House. You need to know. That's going to be special. Learn more. Stay in the know. With News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree Jr. Our firm, Dupree Financial Group, has been engaged in the management of retirement investment accounts of our clients for nearly 14 years. My personal time in the investment business spans 40 years. We bring experience to the table in managing your retirement dollars. If you would like a seasoned and experienced manager to handle your investment portfolio, then give us a call. To schedule a complimentary review of your retirement investments, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 or send an email to info at dupreefinancial.com. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays at 7 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. Okay. Now, this is uh, something that uh, we own and hold some shares in. Blackstone earnings could propel further gains. What's going on with Blackstone, and why do we own the stock for our clients? Just give us a little bit of a uh, a reasoning there and okay. some ideas. So. Blackstone is, uh, well, they're the world's largest private equity company. And by that, uh, you know, they they own, uh, they've got credit funds, they've got, you know, equity funds where they'll do takeovers and things of that nature. Uh, but basically what you have is you have all these accredited investors um, that they put money in a fund with Blackstone. Uh, you know, let's just say a million dollars. You got hundred people put a million dollars into a fund. You've got a hundred million dollar fund. Well, Blackstone takes that money. It's in a locked up structure mm -hmm. uh, because that's that's the only way a a company like that can work because they take very long term views on things. They'll go out. They'll buy. Uh, they'll they'll either buy a company and take it private, or they'll mm -hmm. buy a portfolio of distressed debt, something like that. That they feel like they can make an outsized return on. So let's say it's a 10-year lockup time frame on that money. Right. Well, over that 10 years, Blackstone's charging a 2% management fee. Yep. Uh, and then when it's all said and done, they get an incentive fee uh, if they meet certain profit thresholds. 
of 20 percent that's typically how those structures work so blackstone through um you know doing a good job over a long period of time has amassed a uh a, a assets under management of about 450 billion dollars uh huge and they're able to take on I think one interesting thing with the size that they've become now, they're they're able to be a frontline deal taker on her yeah. of things like the GE Capital um, business. You know, when you're selling a hundred, you know, hundred billion dollars worth of assets, Blackstone right. can come in and actually give you a legitimate bid on it. You know, because they've got the assets to to come in and buy it. Yeah. Um. You know, and when you when you look at that ability, uh, that's one thing that we love about them. The other thing is, is we own the shares of the company. Right. They're completely liquid asset. You know, we we could go out and sell our stock in Blackstone on Monday. Yeah. When the market opens and and be just fine. It pays a dividend. How that dividend is paid, uh, two parts to it. There's a an income stream from those management fees. Those are mandatory management fees. Right. They happen. They happen whether the whether the investments do poorly or do extremely well. Those right. management fees are happening. Yeah. Then Blackstone pays what's called special dividends. Um, you know, and they're they're lumpy. There's no timing to them. Right. It's just when incentive fees come out. Yep. You know, so we put ourselves on the end of collecting those fees. Uh, Blackstone does an extremely well, you know, uh, extremely good job of generating incentive fees mm-hmm. uh you know and i think that as their size grows you know some people question their their ability to continue to grow and i think that you know as their size grows they're able to take on more exotic deals and and get even better deals because of their sheer size right um you know when you look at when you look at those factors that's why we own the company yeah you know, it, it's 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 the ability to produce a consistent income. Yep. Now, when you look at those management fees, like I said, they're coming in. They're coming in regardless of what the market thinks of their investments. Now you look at the company on the other end of it, which we also own some of, <laughs> which hasn't done as well. That was a nice smirk that yeah. you just had there. GE still wrestles with a big problem. Leading lending unit GE Capital nearly toppled whole company as a source of nasty surprises. GE has assured investors that its long-awaited reorganization sets the company on a path to recovery, but some on Wall Street still worry its big problem, GE Capital, will continue to get in the way. GE Capital wasn't central to the plans that Chief Executive John Flannery revealed last month to restructure the company around its power and aviation businesses. The lending unit, which once financed things including oil drilling ships and overseas car loans, previously accounted for much as half of GE's profit and helped fund its dividend. Then the financial crisis hit and GE Capital nearly sank the company. So what's going on? Is GE going to be able to pull through? Uh. So when you look at GE Capital, they they still have some legacy assets there. Um, you know, I think it's like 136 billion in assets, uh, quite an extreme amount. Uh, 50 billion dollars worth of debt on that side of the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the business is still producing profits. Uh, right. 
you know, GE Capital is, you know, it, it's it's kind of there. Uh, it's kind of there. <laughs> yeah. The, they're, they're trying to sell other parts of it. They're trying to dispose of other parts. And at the same time, some of it's running off. Yeah. You know? So it continues to it, it continues to shrink just, you know, just by amortiz- things get paid back yeah, just by amortization. Uh, you know, so I don't personally feel like GE Capital is as big of a problem as some analysts think. Uh, you know, their biggest problem is their Alstom acquisition on the yeah. power end, you know, because what you've seen is they went out and they did this big, what was it, $12 billion? I don't know. It was a huge acquisition. It was a multi-billion dollar acquisition. And what you've seen is you've seen basically as soon as the acquisition came over, orders in turbines started slowing down significantly. You know, a lot of the utility companies had, had built out their infrastructure where they wanted it. And so, you know, when you've seen orders slow, you've seen, you know, margins decrease. And it's, it's kind of a double whammy right? to where the, you know, this past, this past, um, this past earnings that came out on Friday, you know, the, um, the power business is only generating about $400 million in uh, earnings for the quarter. Compare that to the healthcare business, which I think uh, was $800 million mm-hmm. almost, and the aviation's business, which was about, I think it was like $3 billion. Really? It's massive. Yeah. So, you know, the... Those, the stock still went off yesterday. Yeah, the stock sold off. Uh, they re- they reiterated guidance too. Yeah, uh, you know, and I think that there's I I told Adarsh yesterday. I said I've never seen such poor conviction, like some yeah such poor sentiment in a stock. You know, makes you want to go buy it. Yeah, and and when you look, you know. I, I just did a just a simple simple I mean don't don't take this to the bank this is just simple simple analysis but when you look at uh, when you when you look at the percentage of the profits that GE healthcare which is the part they're going to spin off you know when you look at the percentage of the profits it makes up you know that standalone just based on where GE's trading at now. Healthcare, if you put it on that multiple, is a thirty billion dollar company. Yeah, alone by itself. By itself, you know. So, well, our time's up. If you want to have a ha, us to have a look at your retirement portfolio, call us at two three three zero four hundred. That's area code eight five nine. Keep listening. Everybody have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP.